Live from Boca Raton, Florida, this is Open Line with Dr. Michael Ray Delnick. I'm Michael Ray Delnick. I'm so glad to be with you for the second hour of Moody Radio's Bible study across America. You hear that live studio audience. They're not in the studio. They're in the sanctuary. We're sitting there at the Stand with Israel conference, and they are asking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. I'm uh, Michael Adonik, I'm the academic dean, and I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. There's no calls today since our live audience is asking the questions, so you can post your question by going to openlineradio.org, click on the Ask Michael a Question button, and then you can post your question there, and Trish will put it in the mailbag for upcoming programs. But today, all the questions are being asked by our live audience here in Boca Raton, at the Crossbridge Church. Now, the Stand With Israel Conference, if you're listening and didn't hear it the first hour, it's sponsored by Chosen People Ministries, Crossbridge Church, and Moody Radio South Florida. We're having a great time. Thanks, Pastor Rob Taylor, for hosting us here at Crossbridge. We're having a great time in this facility. It's beautiful, and we're just, it's a great group of people. We're having a wonderful time. We've got our coffee cups filled, our Bibles open, and we're ready to go back to our audience with questions and study the scriptures together. And we're going to start right here. Hey, hi, my name is Debbie Golightly, and I'm from Jupiter, Florida. And first, my husband, Rick, wanted to say good morning, Michael, okay. because he, we both love your program. But the question I have is sort of simple, but not really simple. Is there one baptism or two baptisms, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the water baptism, or, or is it just one baptism? Okay. Well, the Bible talks about that there's physical water baptism. Now, what is that? Sometimes I think people really get confused about what it is. When John the Baptist appeared, that's the first people think that that was when baptism was invented. No, it goes all the way back to the Torah, when there were special washings uh, for, the, for people entering into the priesthood, for example, like Aaron, when he became the high priest of Israel, there were all these uh, washings and special ritual baths that they took, and that became the basis. So by the time you come to the first century, it was not uncommon, it was pretty usual, for Jewish people when they were engaged in sort of a, a penitential act or some sort of a special thing, if they were going up to the temple, they would go to the mikvah, the ritual bath, uh, and they would immerse themselves as a form of ritual purification. So when John the Baptist starts appearing, the word baptizo in Greek means immerse, John the immerser, which is what you do. You have to fully immerse into a ritual bath. When John the Baptist, or John the Immerser, appears, what's he doing? He's calling on people for a penitential immersion. Now, another aspect of first century ritual immersion was that if a Gentile would proselytize, convert to Judaism, they would go into the mikvah, and they'd have to be, there'd be a witness to it. They would have to testify to others. They would go under the water. They would go under a Gentile and come up Jewish. Okay, that was it. And they had a new identity. I think that is the root of what we see as 
water baptism in the New Testament because Romans 6 talks about when we go under the water, it symbolically shows us that the old Michael Radelnik died when he went under the water, and the new one, given life by the Lord Jesus, comes up. So it's not a transference of becoming, going from being Jewish to a Christian. That wasn't the case. It was being the old man was dead, the new guy is alive, and that's because I'm now identified with Yeshua or Jesus the Messiah. That's, that's what water, it's a, and it was done, it's done before witnesses to testify of the truth of it, okay? So that's water. But the Bible says something supernatural happens the instant we believe. There's a whole bunch of things that the Holy Spirit does instantly. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that we're all immersed or baptized by the Holy Spirit. And again, it's immersion. It's not a sp special word. It's just immersed, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of the Messiah, whether we're Jewish or Gentile. It doesn't matter. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says. So when we think of, a lot of people think of the church or the ecclesia, the congregation. They think of it as being this building, not the building. It's the people in the building, right? The community of faith that lives here. But there's the local congregation, but there's also in the Bible a universal congregation, a universal church, which means every genuine follower of the Lord Jesus is part of that universal congregation. And what the Holy Spirit does is he takes us at the moment we believe and he dips us, he immerses us into that universal body and that we become brothers and sisters spiritually with anyone else who has made that faith decision. Uh, we are now one body, one community all over the world, whether Jewish or Gentile, we're together uh, followers of the Lord Jesus, and that's how that happens. So are there two baptisms? Yeah. One we have a part in, we choose to obey, and one that we don't have any part in, all we do is trust the Lord, boom, we're immersed into the body. Can I, can I ask another question? Uh, absolutely, because Trish is not pulling you away, so go ahead. Um, so um, you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. No, you do not. No, that's it. Uh, you know, uh, some people say you do, but when you put your trust in Jesus, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So, no, baptism would be a work. I, I always point out that when the thief on the cross said, Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom? Yeah. The Lord Jesus said, wait, wait, stop everything. We got to get this guy baptized. That's not what he said. He says, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Okay, okay. Th thank you very much. Great, thanks. <laughs> Good morning, Michael. My name is Nancy Palladino, and I'm from Lake Worth, Florida. And my question is Colossians 1.24, where it says, in part, and I fell, I fill up, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Yeah. How can anything be lacking in the atonement? Yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, there's a book uh, that has a pretty good answer that I better check. It, it was, it's called 50 Most Important Bible Questions. I just bought it. 
The author there addressed it. I should really check and see what, what he said about that. But uh, the, the idea is that there are two words in Greek for afflictions. One refers to the, the sufferings of the Messiah, his passion when he suffered and died for us. That is not the word that's used here. It's, the, it's sort of the, the troubles. And what that means, so it's, it's not talking about redemptive suffering here. It's saying that all the suffering of all believers for all time, uh, because we are identified with him, uh, that we're filling up to completion of all that was ordained for him to suffer. Not his redemptive suffering. Here's what I would, the illustration I would give is when the Apostle Paul is confronted by the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? Isn't that what he says? What's he say? Why are you persecuting me? Me, because Paul was persecuting the, follow, the Jewish followers of Jesus. The, they were part of the church, and that's what he was doing. And in a sense... All those persecutions, all that suffering that those Jewish believers were experiencing at the hands of Paul, the Lord Jesus was suffering because they were filling up his sufferings that he had ordained up until his return. And so that's what happens when, and, and by the way, Paul says that anyone who wants to live godly in Messiah Jesus will suffer persecution, right? Right. So all that fills up God's ordained plan for the Messiah. That's what it's talking about. Okay. It, complete, Thank you so much. it completes it, is the idea. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good morning and welcome Thank to you. sunny South Florida. <laughs> um, my name is Alexandra. I'm from Fort Lauderdale. And I have a question about heaven. Okay. Um, it's something that I, I wake up in the middle of the night often, like concerned about. Um, Jesus says, he's, well, in Matthew 22 30, he says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And I, I realize we don't have all the details about heaven, but people are always referring to seeing their loved ones in heaven, seeing people who have passed on. And it's an automatic response that believers say all the time. So I guess my question is, if, if there's no marriage in heaven, where, where are we getting this idea that we're automatically going to see a former spouse or family member, and if you are single and remain that way as a believer, who would you see or be with or fellowship with? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, Ben? No. <laughs> 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 I don't know really exactly everything that the Bible... The Bible doesn't say all that much right. about what our lives will be like in heaven, just so you know. But in the resurrection, when we are resurrected, we are going to be resurrected to glory, and we will not reproduce. So, the, uh, the, I mean, that was in response to the Sadducees that the Lord Jesus right. said that, mm -hmm. because they were saying there's no resurrection, and they told that whole tale about, you know, this man... Uh, this woman marries a man... Uh, has all these husbands and they all keep dying and why would anyone marry her? I don't know after all those husbands. But, but anyway, the, the, the point, it was obviously a fabricated tale. And it, it's, who's, 
and it, in, the re, in the resurrection, it's not like we're going to have the same kind of marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we won't recognize our loved ones. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 talks about that, the resurrection of the body, that we will see each other and there'll be a great reunion. And so I think that's why when people die, they, there's, I don't know if it, I've never died. I hear stories that they see, I don't know. But what I do know is First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is in the resurrection, we will re recognize each other. We will recognize and each other. And if you're a single woman, is that what you were asking about? Correct. That? Okay. Well, first of all, you can still get married in this life, so that's okay. And then uh, <laughs> the, the, the second thing I would say is that uh, you're going to see all your loved ones that you know, whether physically related to you or not, there's going to be a great reunion. Uh, so I know one day I will see my mom again. My mom passed away 40 years ago, and she knew the Lord. And she was younger than I am now when she passed away. But I was so certain. It was the, I was so confronted with the eternality uh, and the, the promise of heaven that I know that when I am gone, I will see her again and in the resurrection. And I, I, I'm really glad for that. My brother passed away. And it was, uh, he had just come to know the Lord and was hit by a car. Uh, and he, his wife and son were so disappointed that he hadn't had a chance yet to tell his siblings. And his son told me, I'm so sad that you never knew my dad as a believer. And, and I said, it's okay, we're going to talk about it for eternity. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and so there, that's what I would say is there are other people other than our spouses. Right that we'll be with, and uh, the most important person we'll be with is the Lord Jesus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Great. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to ask, we're going to try and get an easier question. Okay? Some, someone asked something that I can answer, okay? Uh, you're listening to <laughs> Open Line with Michael Ray Delnick, live from South Florida, answering your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to Open Line. So glad you're listening today. I am so happy. I am in Boca Raton, Florida with this Wonderful live audience. They're asking your questions today, and they're doing a great job of that. And joining me now for a moment before we go back to questions is my friend, Rich Freeman. Rich is the vice president of Chosen People Ministries, and he's the one that put this conference together. And I'm so glad that you invited me. Did you want to tell them how you tempted me to come down here? Well, anytime I invite Michael, I always say, um, what's your schedule like in January and February? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll come. That's what I <laughs> I've spent 30 years in Chicago, and uh, it's just amazing how easy it is to get, well, actually, how much I want to get out in January or February, and how we're always worried about, will the flight actually leave yeah. because of the snow? Uh, but anyway, I, I'm, you know, when we first talked about this, but I, I have all these things I want to talk about with you, and I have limited time, but I do want to say, when you went to seminary, you went to Dallas, right? right. And you studied with? With Dr. Hendricks. Prof. Hendricks, right? And uh, Prof. Hendricks uh, taught Bible study methods. And what was your first reaction that first day of class? What did he tell well, you to do? I have an interesting story because I yeah. took his class at night. Oh, wow. And um, I got there early. I was working for UPS while I was in seminary. 
and uh, I was the only one in the class. And we began talking, and he asked me my story, and I told him I was a Jewish believer. I told him my background. I was a pretty new believer at this point in time. And uh, he, he was just, you know, asking me a lot of personal questions, wanting to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I turned around. He says, well, I guess we better get started. And there were like 300 people ah. in the room. <laughs> But when I first got there, I was the only one, and he made a point of, of really getting to know me. And, and that, Prof. Hendricks always did that. He, he, he made it seem like you were important. Yeah. And, uh, and then he made a point of asking people, how many of you got saved when you were five? How many of you got saved when you were 10? And I got saved when I was 30. Yeah. And he says, these are the people who have already lived life. They're going to make the best ministers. Well, that's interesting. And, and so... He was wrong about that. Yeah, well, yeah. you know... <laughs> now, now, he never liked me. It took years for him to get to like me. Uh, and the reason was on the first day of class, he told us to do 25 observations of Acts 1-8. Do you remember that assignment? I remember the assignment. For the next hour class, I would like for you to observe Acts 1-8, is what he said. You had to get 25 observations. I thought, I don't even know what that means. So I raised my hand. I said, how will this be graded? Not knowing that grades were the thing that he hated the most. That's true. And he thought I was a grade-hungry student from that time on for the next four years. And uh, when he came and did an alumni meeting at, in New York, he said to the alumni I was there, he says, I never thought this guy would come to anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty right. But, <laughs> but I learned tons. And that's what I want to let you know, our current resources, his book, Living by the Book, based on his Bible study methods course. It is a great book, and he was a great prop and a great man, and I'm so grateful that I got to study with him. And you can, too, if you get that book. It's our way of saying thank you for a gift of any amount. We'll send you Living by the Book, and uh, it uh, will be a great resource for you. You'll read the Bible in a way that you never have before. It'll be so fresh and new and invigorating. I want to encourage you to pick it up. Uh, with a gift of any size. If you'd like to give, just go to openlineradio.org or call 888-644-7122. Okay, why are we having this conference? Let's just talk about that. Well, when October 7th happened, uh, it it impacted Chosen People Ministries in a big way. We have almost 40 mission staff besides administrative help. And, uh, you know, getting some of the details of what happened uh, quite frankly, made me very angry. Mm-hmm. And that was my first reaction. But as we started talking about, you know, what was going on in the world, how people seemed to be turning against Israel, uh, Mitch Glazer, our president, got some of the leaders together, and we started strategizing on what would be important. How could we as a ministry make an impact for the people in Israel as, a, as an American ministry? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're a global ministry, but I'm talking about chosen people in the U.S., how could we make an impact? And we began organizing these prayer meetings, which we had one here mm. that Pastor Rob uh, helped put together. Uh, but we, so we started praying. But I thought we needed to do something more than that. And um, I mean, we, you and I started talking about uh, what should we should be thinking about Israel. Yeah. And, and you know, initially we were going to do, before 10-7, we were talking about a conference about anti-Semitism. About anti-Semitism. But boy, this really yeah. formulated everything. And so um, I think it's so important for us as evangelical Christians, whether we're Jewish believers or not, 
uh, to show the Jewish community that we love them unconditionally, that we're, we're not in there to just, you know, get a notch in our belt and, and lead a Jewish person to Jesus. But more than that, uh, Jesus loves them. Mm -hmm. And as, as part of our reflection of our faith, we need to show them that we're going to stand with them. And uh, when, when you uh, were willing to do that, and I, and I asked you, who would you recommend to also from Moody? You immediately said William Washington. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's so important uh, to have a Gentile Christian, an African-American Christian, stand up and say, we as a body of Christians need to stand with Israel. And I think what I hope comes out of this conference, and we've gotten some very positive reaction from some Jewish leaders, uh, including the state attorney. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we're going to see is that uh, there's going to be a closer relationship. And uh, we need to be different. We need to stand. Well, I just want you to know the reason I recommended William Washington is he was like saying, I want to go to Florida. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, William is my really good friend, but also he is driven with a, a desire to obey scripture above culture, above politics, above pressure. He wants to live biblically, and I knew he would communicate biblically the truth of the Word of God regarding sure. Israel. And so uh, that, uh, that was actually the, the number one reason I thought he would be the best person. So anyway, and I'm, don't miss him. He's going to speak this afternoon. If you're in the area, come on. Uh, I think we can squeeze you in. Anyway, <laughs> Rich, I just so appreciate your friendship for now 40 years. 40 years. Yeah, a good friend for so many years, and, and, and God keep blessing your work here. I'm going to go back to questions now, okay? Okay, thank Great. you, Mike. Thanks. Good morning. It's such an honor to be here. I never thought I'd see you face to face, so I'm kind of fangirling at the moment. <laughs> so it's not that impressive. Just go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> so it's just an honor. But anyway, my name is Rochelle Lukes. I'm from Ocala, Florida. My question today um, is basically: when people die and are judged and they don't know Christ, will they be cognizant and fully understand their fate and the rationale behind it? Will they understand why? they will end up in a certain place. Mm -hmm. Well, they understand. Uh, I have really no idea what they will understand. I know, I know what the judge understands. You know, when, when we see what the scriptures say about who is the judge, you know, Genesis 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And we know that the judge will always do what is right. And uh, when, when people stand before that great white throne judgment, the ultimate just judge, the Lord Jesus, will be there. And I suspect they will understand with great regret that they never really uh, put their trust in him uh, when they, he gave them so, so many opportunities and uh, longed for them to come to know him. So uh, I, th I really do believe that. That's what the Bible depicts there. But I, I am not the one to judge people. I, you know, I was once on Donahue. Which, do you remember that show, Donahue? Uh, and 
someone, as soon as he heard I was a Messianic Jew, he just like bore in on me and he was saying, so Jewish people are all going to go to hell, right? And I thought, well, this is my answer. I said, God has relieved me of my duties as associate judge of the whole world. And that is not my place to, to decide who does that. And uh, what I said was, God is the judge of all humanity. And I know one day I'm going to stand before him. And I am ashamed for all that I have done. And I have not been a perfect person. And I have failed God miserably. And I'm going to stand before him. And I only have one hope, and that is that I put my trust in Jesus. And he will then impute, he has imputed, he has attached his righteousness to me. When God sees me, he won't see all the wrong I've done, but all the righteousness of my Messiah. And so I'm not going to judge anyone else. I'm just going to let God make that decision. But for me, I will never stand before God uh, confidently in my own self. I only need to put my trust in Jesus. And he, has, he said, why, why don't you give me a straight yes or no answer? I said, why are you trying to make me God, Phil? And, uh, and that's, the, that's how he left it. And then later in the program, a woman said, he said I'm going to hell. And, and Phil said, well, he didn't. He said God's going to decide that, not him. And I thought, well, that's really the best attitude to have. We're going to come back with more questions in just a moment. You're listening to Open Eye with Michael right now. But stay with me. You're listening to Open Line live from Boca Raton, Florida. I'm Michael Rajelnik, and there's a, this is such a beautiful audience. I wish everyone on the radio could see what these people look like. They're tanned. <laughs> They're all Floridians. They're wearing shorts and T-shirts and Hawaiian shirts. I'm, I'm creating an image in, in the radio audience's mind. You know, actually, they don't look like that at all. The truth of it is that it was about 60 degrees this morning. They were all wearing sweaters and coats. And <laughs> what a weird world to be here, you know? If it's 60 in Chicago, wearing shorts and T-shirts and having fun, you know? Uh, but, well, anyway, uh, I want to say thanks to Far Eastern Broadcasting Company for partnering with, with us. We normally have the Far Eastern Broadcasting Company, the FEBC, a mailbag, but no mailbag today. But I just still, I so appreciate them. I hope you'll check them out at febc.org. There's a great podcast they have about all the impact that they're having through media around the world. Uh, it's called Until All Have Heard, and it's hosted by Ed Cannon. Check it out at febc.org. Joining me right now is my friend, William Washington. Dr. Washington is the, well, he's dean of everything at Moody, apparently. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> he's... He's the vice president of student life and dean of enrollment. So if anyone applies, he's kind of overseeing all that. Uh, and uh, also, he's my really good friend, uh, which is, that's the part I care about. Now, uh, you are also, now this is kind of amazing, you're a kitchen table partner, right? That's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. And yeah. I have been challenging our listeners on Open Line to take up the baton and to encourage people in their lives and even beyond who they know 
to sign up to be a kitchen table partner. Even if they don't listen? No, no. To no, no, them no. To they listen need to first. listen. Yeah. And why is that so important? Because I know, just like Dr. Redelnik, you want people to understand and recognize the glory of God and the love that he has for this world. And so if they are plugged in, grafted in, connected in, they have an opportunity to get resources, an opportunity to learn, ask questions, hear these special Bible studies that he puts together, but most importantly, to help them in their walk and growing and knowing Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I appreciate that so much. And uh, I know that uh, one of the things I'm excited about doing is we're going to be doing seven Bible study moments, uh, William and I, uh, for uh, about five to eight, ten minutes, uh, where we... It's an audio Bible study designed exclusively for our kitchen table partners, and they then get them in their email and, and uh, click on it and get to hear it. We're going to talk about the seven reasons. Some of you are going to hear them, but uh, uh, William and I will be going through them. Uh, seven reasons that every Christian could, should stand with the Jewish people in Israel. And so that's what we're going to be doing for uh, the next seven kitchen table uh, Bible study moments. And so that's what we're doing. And, and if you're interested in becoming a kitchen table partner, call 888-644-7122. That's 888-644-7122. Or just go to openlineradio.org. Now, I want to talk with you. Michael, wait yeah. a minute. Re- yeah. re- real quick. We have over 700 kitchen table partners right now. Mm-hmm. I want us to get to 1,000. <laughs> I want to get 1,000. He's such a salesman. Radio <laughs> listeners, help us achieve that goal of 1,000 because I think it's doable. I think it will increase our presence, and I know for a fact that it will transform lives for the kingdom of God. And, and also, you know, I think William's concerned. He doesn't want me to go off the air. And, no. <laughs> no. I appreciate that so much, and he's the one that really challenged me to, to think bigger about kitchen table partners, and I appreciate that. So, okay, now you're the dean of enrollment. I, I think that this is so important. I've been teaching at Moody for 30 years, but I always want to say there are so, first of all, how many ways can people study at Moody? People can study face-to-face. People can study online. People can take high-flex courses. That's a regular course taught in Chicago. Short in Chicago. you zoom in. You zoom in. Yeah. And so the main thing is take the opportunity to get exposed to Moody Bible Institute, the best Bible Institute in the world. Why? because our faculty are committed to teaching from God's Word. We're true to that. We're consistent with that. And I think it's so important for young people, middle-aged people, even old people, to realize and recognize that God has purpose for your life, and you learn that through an education at Moody Bible Institute. Someone asked me yesterday, does Eva teach the Bible at Moody? And I said, well, most of the courses she teaches are literature. But there isn't a course that she teaches where she doesn't teach the Bible because she, she helps them view all of literature through a biblical lens. And I said, uh, I thought this was funny. I said, and she makes everyone learn her favorite verse, 2 Timothy 2.8. So that, if you want to know what it is, you have to look it up. 2 Timothy 2.8, that's Eva's favorite verse. Everyone has to learn it. So anyway, uh, now, uh, at, in the undergraduate school, I am, I, I want to know what you think. There, we have great majors, and some of them are ministry-oriented. Then there's some uh, ones that will, you would do ministry in the secular world, like elementary education, and we have min- majors like communications where you don't necessarily have to work in a ministry, uh, but everyone's in ministry. 
But I always say the best, most important thing about going to Moody, no matter most people don't actually work in their field that they get their bachelor's degree. Ninety percent, I heard, work in another. That's field. right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but why I think Moody is so great is because it gives you a foundation for life. And that's no matter where you're going to serve, you have to serve God, whether it's in vocational ministry or not. Uh, you have to serve God. What do you think? Does Moody really help people with living? Moody not only helps people for living, but it helps people understand how God would want them to help others live uh -huh. in our world, in our society today. And so if you're thinking about the Moody Bible Institute, though you may be an undergrad student or a graduate student, or you just want to take some courses, Check us out. Moody.edu. That's it. That's it. Moody.edu. Check us out. And uh, the most fun thing about being a, a resident Moody student is you have the best dean of student life around. Uh, he is the best. So thank you, William. Thank you. Okay, we're going back to questions right now. Uh, and My name is Stephanie Adderley, and I do live in Fort Lauderdale, the east side. And um, the, my question is, what do you guys, we stand with Israel. The other Saturday, I was, my grandbaby and I was going to the store. It's a Jewish temple. And I saw this rabbi Jew. And I said to a him. Jewish rabbi, huh? Yeah. We stand with you. And he stood there. We were trying, I didn't know what else to say mm -hmm. to him. But he was there. And then he had some, like David had some food. And he's offering me some food. Oh, I'm like, I don't want any food. I that's what we what do, though. That's part of our culture. <laughs> Eat something. And I, <laughs> and I didn't know what else to say, because he's looking to maybe for us to have a conversation, and I couldn't have the conversation. Okay. So my uh, question is, what else here, do you say? Here's what I would say. Okay, first of all, one of the most important ways that you can stand with the Jewish people and Israel is to pray. And you could tell anyone, I am praying. Okay for Israel's safety and success at this time. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for the safety of the Jewish people in this time of anti-Semitism. We're standing with you in prayer. And then secondly, uh, we're standing with you by raising our voices. And I really okay. encourage you, uh, call your congressman, call your senator, mm -hmm. call the White House, and let your, don't send an email. They ignore mm -hmm. those. They tally the phone calls, okay. and they want to hear from, we're American citizens, we have the right, Paul appealed to Rome, we have the right as citizens to let our, our representatives know what we think. And I think that's very important, because the imagery that you get from the media right. is that it's, no one is standing with Israel. Right. That's not true. We need to speak up. And so uh, I would say not just praying to the, the king of heaven, mm -hmm. but also... <laughs> To, to talk to the earthly leaders that okay. he's put here. And then also, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those yes. who rejoice, right? Well, when Israel's brokenhearted uh, and the Jewish people are facing persecution, we weep with them. And one of the ways you can do that is when there's a rally here mm -hmm. uh, in South Florida, and I know there will be. Okay. Go. Go, yes. Just go. And, and, and put on... Your big Gentiles for Jesus, you know, or yeah. whatever <laughs> button. Uh, back in the uh, second intifada, Moody students made a, a big sign that okay. said, Moody Bible Institute stands with Israel and would go to the rallies they held. Okay. And boy, that makes an impact. I have a rabbi friend down the street from me, mm -hmm. and uh, I, his grandfather was my actual rabbi growing up. Okay. And uh, he asked me what his granddad thought of my faith. I said, not much. But... 
He said, I love Messianic Jews. And I said, why is that? And he said, because when the second intifada hit and I was going to the rally, rallies for Israel, the most consistent, faithful people there were the Messianic Jews yes. and the students at Moody Bible Institute. Okay. So <laughs> that changed his perspective of, of Jesus mm -hmm. by the way we stand. So that's what okay. I would suggest. We're going to take you. a break here. Thank you so much for that question. We're going to come right back with more of your questions in just a moment. This is Open Line with Michael Radonik live from Boca Raton, Florida with the best audience around. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're coming back straight ahead with more Bible questions for you. glad that you're listening in today. It is just so much fun with a live audience asking the questions today on Open Line. Uh, before we get right back to those questions, at the outset of the year, it's always good to remember God's priority of reaching the Jewish people with the good news of the Messiah Jesus. And that's why our partner, Chosen People Ministries, is offering a free booklet to the Open Line audience. It's called To the Jew First in the 21st Century. It was written by Dr. Al Mohler, a real terrific theologian and leader, taken Right from the Bible, Dr. Moeller reminds us of what we need to know about Israel, the Jewish people, outreach to our Jewish community, our friends and neighbors. For your free copy, go to openlineradio.org. That's our website, not chosen people, openlineradio.org. Scroll down, you'll see a link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own copy of To the Jew First in the 21st Century. We're going to go right here. Our first question of this last segment. Go ahead. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. My name is Edwina Allen. I'm from River Air Beach, Florida. And I'm thankful to be here today and just happy always listening to Moody Great. all the time. Thank you. And matter of fact, I entered uh, the master's program online for biblical studies last semester. That. That's great. Master. That's great. We see in scripture that God chose Abraham and he made a covenant with him, and he said he would make him a father of many nations. We look and we see um, his grandson, Jacob, uh, his name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons, and those sons became 12 tribes. They were delivered out of Egypt by Moses, and Moses gave those commands on Mount Sinai. How did or where do we find in Scripture where God chose only one tribe, Judah, the Jews, to make covenant as his chosen people. But he didn't really, his covenant with Judah was so that the Messiah, the king of Israel, the, the, the kings and would come, well, that, that the leadership of Israel would come through Judah. So that in Genesis 49, 8 through 12, it talks about the first sons being disqualified. And then uh, it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until the one to whom it belongs comes. And so, it's talking about Judah being elevated above his brothers. Judah, your brother shall praise you, and the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And so it's the idea that kingship would reside in Judah. That's what happened when David is chosen as king, and he is the chosen king, and then his descendants reign, and ultimately the Messiah is, uh, is from the line of David. Second Timothy 2.8, Eva's favorite verse, which talks about Messiah risen from the dead, the son of David, that... Uh, that Jesus is the son of David, 
and uh, on both his adopted father's side and his physical mother side. So that's it. Okay. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for coming down to Florida. My really pleasure. Uh, appreciate that you came down here today. So I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. I live you have in a first name. Sorry. First name. My name is Brittany. Okay. And I'm from Boca Raton, Florida. I live in Orlando right now, and I actually came down to see my dad today. So my dad is with me here. Uh -huh, and he schlepped you in. <laughs> <laughs> I actually registered for this event like two months ago, okay. so it just Good. so happened that we're here at the same time. So my question today is, can you talk about the role of Esther and Mordecai and how it applies to current events? Esther and Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai, her relative, uh, he's the one that encouraged her. And God placed her at Mordecai's direction in providentially. That's the, the word providence is when God arranges everything to make it happen, and it seems like it's just a coincidence. But it's not. It's God-ordained and God-directed. And that's what happened. Uh, God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther, but God's directing everything. Uh, he's making it all happen, and Mordecai directs her, and God does it through Mordecai to become queen. And then when the attack comes against the Jewish people, it is because of her significant role as queen that she is able to intervene. Remember, she's afraid. He says, no, God's raised you up for such a time as this, but don't be concerned. If you don't do it, God will raise up someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say the, the great lesson for such a time as this is that we are American citizens, and we are the most powerful citizens on earth. And by that I mean we have greater voice with our representatives than anyone else uh, and than any other nation. It's strange to me how much our representatives listen to their constituents. Uh, but we have that great power, and it's for such a time as this that now is the time, I think, because of rising anti-Semitism, because of the hatred of Israel around the world, the, the uh, libels and slanders of Israel that we're hearing and reading, uh, that the, the truth of it is that we are here in this position for such a time as this, and we need to use the influence that God has given us. Thank you. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, my name's Aaron. Um, I'm 11 years old, and I'm in sixth grade. And my question is, um, when Abraham wasn't going to sacrifice Isaac, um, why, why was there a ram in the bush instead of, like, a lamb or any other animal? Well, it just seems to me God stopped Abraham in Genesis 22 from sacrificing his son. He never intended, he was testing Abraham, he never really intended Abraham to sacrifice his son. Uh, but he was willing. And it says uh, that Abraham, you know, he said to the, his attendants, we'll come back. The book of Hebrews points out that the Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. But what God did is he provided a ram instead. And so why was there a ram caught in the thicket? Because God's sovereign because God is in charge of everything, because God providentially, that's the word I just used, God aligns everything. That lo it looks to us like that was a co coincidence that there was a ram caught in the thicket, but that's the animal that God chose. The point of it is, though, I don't know why it was a ram and not a lamb. I don't, uh, maybe because it was a, a ram is a wild animal and a, and a lamb is a domesticated animal or a goat would be domesticated. So because it was under the providence of God, he had to use a a wild animal that was there caught in the thicket, and that's 
what God chose to providentially provide as the animal sacrifice in, in lieu of sacrificing or instead of sacrificing Isaac. That's what I think it was, is to show God's sovereignty and providence in providing an, a sacrifice. Okay? Okay, thank you. Yep, thank you. Thirteen, and James, um, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, my question is: Are you okay with eating meat? For example, like something like bacon or pork. Well, there's other <laughs> kinds of meat, you know. That's uh, my question, guys. Yeah, it's fine. It. You know, but you know, there's a, you say, are you okay with eating meat? Uh, I, I'm reminded of the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding when she said, "What do you mean you don't eat meat?" And then she said, "Never mind, I'll make you lamb." Uh, <laughs> So there is other kinds of meat other than bacon or pork. And so, yes, I eat lamb, and I eat beef, and I uh, eat poultry, which is kind of meat. Uh, so <laughs> I eat turkey bacon. Uh, and uh, so I eat a lot of things like that. Uh, I think that now that I'm a follower of Jesus, the kosher laws have a principle that I live by, which is that God wanted Israel to be distinct in the way they ate, and he wants me to be different in how I live as well. It may not be by what I eat. I could choose to keep kosher if I wanted to. There would be nothing wrong with that. I would not be required to keep kosher. Uh, but the thing is, my wife does most of the cooking in our household, and she doesn't let me eat bacon or pork. You know, She, <laughs> she says, I don't want you to die. So... So, uh, but I, I, when I go out to eat, I, I might be tempted in that area. But it's, it's the, the point of it is, in the Messiah, all flu foods are declared clean. God is more concerned with what comes out of our hearts. That's what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 12, rather than what goes into our mouths. Okay? Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah but how can you not eat bacon, right? <laughs> Turkey bacon. Hey, that's the program for the day. Can you believe our time's up? Thanks for listening, everyone. That's all we've got, but we're going to come back next week with more of your questions. I want to say special thanks to Rob Taylor, Crossbridge Church, for hosting us. Trish doing a fantastic job running the program. Chris and Joel for doing such a great job with the engineering. What a great audience. Thank you all so much. Remember, keep in touch with us by going to our website, openlineradio.org. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.